This is 680-CJOB. It's the main ingredient on 680-CJOB. I'm Kevin Bergen. There's a great coffee shop in Boisevain that does much more than just sell coffee. I sat down with Jason Dick, Executive Director of Prairie Partners, Inc., so he could tell me more. Hey, Jason, welcome to The Main Ingredient. Maybe we can start by you telling me what Prairie Partners, Inc. is all about. Well, Prairie Partners is a uh, community nonprofit in the small town of Boisevain, Manitoba. And we basically provide, primarily what we do is we provide supports for people with disabilities in the community. How did something like that get started in such a small town? Actually, um, this is the 60th anniversary of Prairie Partners in uh, in Boys Vane. And it started in the mid-50s um, and when community members realized that there was a lot of children with disabilities in the community. But the in the 50s, there was no kind of support services for for them. So they, they the parents of these children actually t- uh, took it upon themselves to... Um, start what they called at that point Sunnyside School so that there could be uh, opportunities for education uh, for people with disabilities in the community. That would be tough with zero support, especially in a rural area where there's really nothing out there for you. Right, yeah. And, and back then too, I mean, people with disabilities, uh, they, they were sort of kept out of sight, out of mind, right? So um, yeah, to have a community be that proactive and actually address within uh, an isolated community that need and actually build something like that was, uh, I think, very impressive. Okay, so let's talk about your involvement, Jason. How did you get involved? Um, I was hired about 10 years ago um, by by the board at that time. And basically, they were looking for somebody that would sort of rethink how disability support services was being provided in the community. Um, Prairie Partners, uh, to this day, as, as is common in our sector, um, has a inherited a structure that is very, um, that has been uh, happening for, or it, it's, it's the same structure they've been using for decades, basically, where you have a group home model for residential supports, and then you have a sheltered workshop for as, as a day uh, activity center kind of thing. And that sort of model um, is is in desperate need of being modernized. And as I mentioned uh, previously, uh, in my opinion, uh, it was a model, it's a model that still to this day, I don't feel comfortable with. And so we're, work, we're taking steps to modernize this because in some ways it's, it was very much of a segregation type model. And we don't we don't accept uh, segregation in in society um, based on anything else, be it religion, uh, race, culture, anything else. So why yeah? So why are we still um, keeping people with disabilities sort of on the periphery of society? And so my what I was hoping to do with this organization was to try to think a little bit more outside the box. And actually, one of the first questions that a local reporter asked me when I came on there was, he said, well, what are you going to do about the, about the sheltered workshop? Because we hear that, you know, there, that there's this, er, this push to, um, to start um, closing these things and have people go out into the community. And at that point, I, I thought, well, there's two ways that we can get the community involved in the lives of people with disabilities. One is, yeah, we have to go out into the community and say, you know, is there, um, is there a job, are there jobs out there for, for people with disabilities or if they're retired folk rather than sitting at home, like, are there, uh, can they get involved in the local senior center, those kinds of things. 
And at the same time, too, the other way to accomplish getting the community involved was to blow the walls open. And so we had all this infrastructure, and so the challenge was, how do we rethink what, what the purpose of this building is? And so the idea was, we wanted to make, um, we wanted to reshape uh, sort of the, the town square concept, where we would make sort of this hot spot in the middle of town, where everybody in town would sort of come and go, and this would be sort of the meeting place. And so we decided to do this not-for-profit community cafe, and um, we haven't looked back since. Do you think part of the segregation of people with disabilities comes from fear? Usually when people don't understand something, that's when fear kicks in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I mean, if you have, uh, and, and people are also sometimes uncomfortable because um, they they may not, a person that they encounter with a disability, they may not know, like, are they going to, like, because they've been, because people with disabilities have been so isolated for so long, people don't know what to expect. And they don't, and I think that people just need to realize that people are people are people. And you treat everybody with respect and dignity, and the odds are pretty good that you're going to get the same response back. And I think it's, things have changed definitely since, uh, like from, from, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, or the millennials, like <clears throat> we grew up, um, sort of at the tail end of, uh, segregated classrooms where people with special needs in quotations were kept in their own classroom and did their own thing, whether it was menial, like coloring books, that kind of thing, or whether it was an actual education. But the but but from uh, our generation and younger, this was the time of integrated classrooms, and so it was a time when kids grew up not having some of those same uh, uh, experiences and some of those same stigmas because these are their peers and and people and I think that's been one of the greatest advances in our education system is that we're also now teaching people how to just simply be human towards other people who maybe have different abilities or, or are different than themselves. And so, um, I think we're seeing that shift now. Yeah. Usually if you grew up with something, you wouldn't know any different. Right? No, they're the kids that are in the, the strange kids that are in the classroom down the hall kind of thing. Whereas now it's like, oh, you know, Joe needs help with his math. Well, Emily, can you give him a hand? Sure. sure, you know, and it might be a modified course or whatever, but there's this there's this constant interaction, which is what I think society needs in general, because we live in a multicultural society. We live in in a place where everybody needs to come together and sort of look out for each other. And that's what I think our community has been very, very progressive at uh, for the last 60 years, so... We'll be back after the break to talk more with Jason Dick, Executive Director at Prairie Partners, Inc., and get into the details of the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company right here on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to The Main Ingredient. Before I return to my interview with Jason Dick, wanted to make sure you knew about the Winnipeg Beer Festival coming up August 19th at Fort Gibraltar in St. Boniface. This event will not only feature local craft beer companies such as Torque Brewing, Little Brown Jug, One Great City, Brazen Hall, Stone Angel Brewing, Peg Beer Co., Barnhammer, and Fort Gary Brewing, but will also feature Capital K Distillery, eight local food vendors, plus unlimited poutine, all while raising funds for my favorite charity, Kids Initiative. First round of tickets sold out fast, but you can subscribe to the Winnipeg Beer Fest website at wpgbeerfest.com to get notified when the next round of tickets are released. 
Now back to my conversation with Prairie Partners, Inc., Executive Director Jason Dick, about the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company. Okay, so when you guys were deciding what kind of business you were going to open, what other businesses were you considering besides opening a tea and coffee company? Well, we we kind of, uh, a few years after I I came on board as the Executive Director and we were trying to think of ideas... um, Actually, the, 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 one of the, the catalysts was that one day I was sitting in my office and one of the, the women that we support as an organization who has um, some, some fairly pronounced physical disabilities as well as an intellectual disability happened to be walking past my office door and she was having a really hard time uh, that day and, and finally she just snapped and she was so angry and she said, you know, all I ever wanted to be was a waitress, but who's going to hire me? And I just thought, oh, we could hire her. Why not? And so that was kind of, for me, it was the catalyst that caused me to go to the board of directors and say, I have an idea here that I'd like us to look at as an organization. And it can't just be my idea. Like we have to get the buy-in of, this organization, all the people that live here, the people that work here, the board, and we have to get the buy-in of the community at large as well. But this is the concept. Why don't we have a nonprofit cafe, which will be one of our programs. And what we will do is we will do hands-on real uh, work experience and social skills development in the community by having the community come into us. Mm -hmm. And it just kept on snowballing. And as we sort of pitched this idea around um, to businesses and to individuals and to the Chamber of Commerce, sometimes we would get sort of this sort of sideways look and they'd think, you guys are crazy. This is never going to fly. But the more we got buy-in, the more we had people saying, hey, is there anything we can do to help make this thing happen? And so... We, we were able to buy the na- the building beside our offices um, that, wa- that we had been leasing for a period of time and running it at, with the local church group as a, as a thrift store. And we were able to, the, the owner of the building sold out the lease, the remainder of the lease to us. Um, and the community contributed donations, which paid for that. And then we had um, different community groups coming in and and doing stuff. So we had like the RCMP detachment come in and lay the flooring in the restaurant on their day off. And then we had like a local a bunch of women just one day descended on the place who didn't necessarily have any kind of social connections with each other, but they painted the thing. And then we had the local church youth groups come in and build the back deck and put together furniture. And it just kept on snowballing. That is a serious snowball oh, crazy. yeah. And we had like donations coming in for furniture for the place. And uh, it, 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 was, it was actually spine tingling to see this thing actually go from just this vague concept to having other people saying, hey, what if we did this? Or what if we used that kind of fixture in here? What if we had this for a menu idea? And it just started coming together. And it, the, the, the night before our first opening day, uh, I was, we were all, there was a number of us that were working late, uh, just putting the finishing touches on. And we, we turned on all the lights and I walked outside into the middle of the street and see, saw the whole building lit up. And it was just like one of these, moments where I realized, 
okay, we've created something here and it's going to take on a life of its own. And it has just been, and it did, like it felt almost like a, this new living entity in the community. And as the one former president of the Chamber of Commerce said, you know, when, when they were presenting uh, our organization with an award for business of the year, they said, he said, you know, when Jason first pitched this as a concept to the Chamber of Commerce, I thought, this is crazy. It'll never work. And now he said, it's, it's hard to imagine our community without this place because we somehow did succeed in making the town square. And so this is where people come in. We have a sign on the door that says no purchase necessary, everyone welcome. Oh, this is not like a minimum purchase where nope. you can't crash if you want, it's just whatever. And we even added a sign that said bag lunch is welcome. So people can, who are like, you know, like we'll see like, uh, the, the highways crew will come in and they'll have their lunch boxes and maybe they'll order a cappuccino or something yeah. to go kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it just, it, it, because it's as much about the, it, it's a, it's a pro training program, right? And mm-hmm. so we are giving people real life experience in different aspects of, of running a cafe. Killer. Sports news and weather coming up and on the other side of the break, more about the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company on the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. The main ingredient here on 680 CJOB continues and I'm talking about the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company in Boise of Ain, Manitoba with Prairie Partners, Inc. Executive Director, Jason Dick. So when it did finally come to life and you opened the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. was it, did it function the way that you thought it was going to function in your mind? Like there's, there's stages of it, right? First you're trying to convince right. people it's going to work. They all buy in and, you know, obviously, like you, like you said, it, it feels a lot better to sit there and have conversations about, hey, uh, what kind of, what type of flooring are we going to put in? Not, is this going to work again? Right. So you get past that hump. You actually get it built. Everybody's, everybody's pitching in, doing their thing. Right. Now it opens and now it's, it's go time. Right. Yeah. And you know, it was within the first couple of weeks when like, I mean, you never know how things are going to go right for the first few, even for the first few years, right? Businesses come and go within three years all the time. It's a small town and it's a coffee shop. So I'm sure there's businesses that have, you know, smaller businesses that you thought would have done well that didn't. So it's kind of like, well, you know, what's going to make this one different? Well, and that was the, then that actually is a good point because that's what we used as sort of a, a, as, as to sort of uh, shape what we were going to offer is because we didn't want to really go into direct competition with the other businesses in town, but we wanted to really bring some added value to, uh, all the businesses in town. And so we looked at what had, what people had said, you know, oh, we missed the fact that we used to have a bookstore in this town and it closed up years ago. And we've had a few tea houses in this town, um, where people could just go and sit on couches and drink tea or whatever, but they're gone too. Um, and so we said, well, let's incorporate those, those missing pieces from our community into this. And if we're, if we're coming up on areas where we're going to be overlapping with other businesses, let's try to do it either differently or to partner. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that there were other businesses in town that, you know, made their, their money by selling coffee. Well, there was no place in town that sold actual espresso or cappuccinos. Mm-hmm. And so we said, let's go all in, let's, let's, let's let's do the real, the real deal right. on that. And 
Let's not, and so, and we also partner with the local bakery. They bake our, our fresh artisan bread that we serve. So we're not duplicating that service. We're giving totally, you're giving them business. Exactly. Yeah. And so we've tried to do that. I mean, of course there's, uh, of course there is some maybe a little competition here and there, but it's not that we are trying to, um, undermine the other businesses. It's, we're trying to, to bring the whole community up mm-hmm. and have something special to offer and, um, so back to your question about when I knew that some, that this was going to actually uh, work out, I think for me was uh, within the first couple of weeks was when I was sitting in my office and I suddenly heard a sound in the building that I had never heard in the all the years that I had been there. And that was the sound of children laughing and running. And the reason why that's significant is because the people that we support, um, grow up, uh, grew up in segregation Mm -hmm. and to have, to have a real holistic community experience, I think children have to be part of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so how, how can a, how can a person, you know, grow up to be a balanced human being if they, if they don't have interactions both with, uh, people who are older than them and people that are younger than them. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment, I kind of knew that, uh, something significant is going to happen in the lives of the people with disabilities that we support as an agency. Even uh, like, if we put you in segregated you for years without interaction with all sorts of people, all types of situations, when yep. you finally were introduced to that, you'd have problems, right? Absolutely. Right? And you know, and, 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 and further to the, the whole ch- uh, involvement of the uh, intergenerational type thing, um, like, I, I also re, will, will always remember uh, when one of the the women that we support, who is kind of our unofficial greeter, when she works her shift in the sawmill, she'll sort of try to sweep the floor closest to the door uh, so that when people come in, she can reach out, shake their hand and say, hi, I'm so-and-so and what's your name? Mm-hmm. And I remember the one day too, where she was taking a break and sitting on a, a, a comfy chair across the room. And all of a sudden this like four or five year old boy walks into the cafe with his mom and his brother and he sees her across the room and just lets out this yelp and goes tearing across and just jumps into her lap. And I thought, that's awesome. That is fantastic. For sure. Yeah. That's the whole reason it's there. Oh, exactly. And it's, and so now you'll see in this cafe, you'll see the, the local knitters that will come in uh, and have their pots of tea and they tend to be little old ladies, but then sometimes you'll also see these teenagers come in and join them knitting or, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you'll have lots of like, um, there's lots of stay at home, uh, moms and dads or whatever. So you'll see, you know, moms or dads come in with their kids during the middle of the day. And we have, uh, a, a corner of the, of the, of the sawmill is all couches and chairs and children's books and toys. And so they know that if they need to get out of the house, they can come there. Their kids can run around. It's a safe place for everybody. And so it just has become this intergenerational hotspot and it's fantastic to watch. And yeah, it's, it's, I've often said it's probably the most, the thing I feel most blessed of having been involved with in my life and just to see how the community sort of fed into what shape it was going to take and how it evolved and sort of that, that seed just kind of bloomed into something. That must be super gratifying. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So let's talk about the day to day. 
um, focus of the shop. Yep. Right. So obviously you got to make food. We'll get to that in a minute, but, mm -hmm. um, the day-to-day -day focus of, of, uh, the sawmill tea and coffee mm -hmm. company is what? Um, the, like I said, it, it's, it operates, um, for our purposes, it operates primarily as a tool um, to give people with disabilities as well as local youth who maybe have not had a job before mm -hmm. the opportunity to actually gain experience and to get some basic training about what it, what an employer expects um, and to just through the day-to-day -day operations and repetition and all those things to actually de develop those kinds of skills as well as um, learning to um, to interact with people in the community in a, in an appropriate manner. Right? Yeah, social skills are huge. Restaurants. Yeah. Uh, I worked in a, I was super shy up to 19 or 20 and I actually started working in a restaurant and it's amazing what that does for you socially. Right. Yeah. And we, and we'll, we even go one step further when we're dealing with, uh, with local youth is we have a, when we do an interview with local youth, we have a, a, a template that we develop mm -hmm. where we ask some of the basic questions that they will probably encounter in future job interviews, no matter where they're going, no matter in life. These are some typical questions that a potential employer will ask you. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is once we do that interview, um, we critique them. We basically say, okay, so when you answered this for this question, um, you might want to actually think about answering it like this because it will show this, this, and this to the employer. And, it, and so we're giving them even at that ent entry level, we're yep. trying to give them some real hands-on experience. For sure. That's perfect. Cause you, you wouldn't, unless someone tells you what they're looking for or what the correct answer may be or how yeah. your body language could be read, you're never going to know. What's your greatest weakness, right? Yep. That's the question that always throws, uh, people that have never <laughs> done interviews before, right? <laughs> yeah. So we can help them hash that out. This is how you can respond that. This is how you can turn that question around and actually make it about strength. Back after the break with more Jason Dick and the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company. The Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company in Boisevain, Manitoba provides many services. Jason Dick is here to fill us in. Okay, so let's talk about the food. You guys do a bunch of things. You guys do offsite catering, scratch yes. baking. Yes. Um, you have a full standing menu. Let's yes. talk about some of that. Well, it started out actually, um, very, uh, basic where we basically offered some fresh baking. We offered like a soup, a sandwich and a salad as options. And we did everything from scratch and it was very, very labor intensive. And, and we, for the longest time we did the best we could, I think, um, and for the longest time, we're thinking, well, why, how can restaurants actually function with these big full standing <laughs> menus? We're scrambling just to make enough sandwiches, yeah. right? Um, and part of it was because, you know, a lot of the people that we were trying to work with in the kitchen too, had really seldom cooked in their lives, let alone cook commercially, right? Right now, yeah, I don't cook for myself. Now I'm going to cook for everybody else. Right. And so we had some, we've had some key people in our organization that have really worked hard at at, at sort of breaking through that wall. Um, PJ Ricard would be one of them that was initially a real significant force. Uh, and she, she basically helped bricks and mortar. She helped build that thing from the scratch. And now most recently we have Stacy McDonald, uh, and she's the one that took the menu to that whole new level where we suddenly were able to do a full standing menu. One of the lessons that she taught me was that well, because in this workplace, we're always compromising. We're compromising on, because different people have different ability levels, different, 
um, levels of experience. So we have to do the same thing in the food production end of things. So there are some things like rather than, you know, the day before roasting an entire chicken and then trying to cut it up for sandwich meat, like we may want to actually buy a roasted chicken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then a person with maybe who has maybe uh, less or, or maybe takes more time to assemble something, they don't have to worry about that step. Right. They so, actually have the time now. Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side of things, we have some people working in our kitchen that have really uh, grown incredibly in the, in, in, in their cooking abilities. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like we have one um, woman there who basically she, like our, we're famous for our cinnamon buns, which are probably the, you know, the size of your fist or bigger. (laughs) And we have one woman that we started, that we trained from the very beginning on how to make those things. And now she does it from scratch. Like she makes those cinnamon buns homemade every day and we'll put out a couple dozen of them. Um, and yeah. so we have another guy who's our designated sandwich maker. And so he's got all the recipes memorized. He's and right now. He's also working on developing his own special signature sandwich that he wants to put on the menu, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's now we deal with not only sandwiches, but we also deal with gourmet burgers and we have a number of different, uh, salads that we offer and flatbread pizzas. And, um, yeah, we're still best known for our homemade cheesecakes and our, our cinnamon buns, but yeah. Who knew seven years later it would turn into this, huh? I know it's crazy. And you know, you talk to people, I'm always amazed at how, when I talk to people, they say, oh yeah, I've heard of that place. It's that like, must still be shocking for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you get people, especially during tourist season, uh, who will be coming up from the U.S. because we're right close to the border there, or we'll be visiting from another country or even from another part of Canada. And so often I've had people come up and say, you have to tell us more about this because my son or my daughter has a disability. And I've always felt that, you know, they're so much more capable of getting out in the community and actually, um, learning some of these things and actually having a, a, a good job. And you guys have done it in this small town in the middle of nowhere. Why can't we have that in, in Kitchener or why can't we have that in Vancouver? Like that's the impressive part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy impressive. It's really good. Well, and it's a beautiful space too, which I think is also draws people in because the whole inside of it is, is clad in cedar. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just a really nice, uh, nice setting. So, um, what's a job coach, a job coach. Um, so we have a person who would in a normal restaurant be called a cook Mm -hmm. and, or, or someone who sort of runs the front of the house. Um, so the person who run the, the person who cooks is the primary cook and the, and the person who runs the front of the house and sort of does the barista training and that kind of thing. Those are the job coaches. Mm -hmm. So they know how to do their job Mm -hmm. and do it well, but they also, um, they also work with the people with disabilities to train them on all the various steps that they need to learn if, if they want to do that particular job. So, and some of, uh, some people with disabilities, I mean, they're, they're always going to be sort of in that training, perhaps in that training role where you know, they may progress to a certain point on their skill development, but that might be, and that might be as far as they go, but that's okay too. Right. 
And then we have some people like the, the one that makes the person that makes the cinnamon buns or the sandwiches who you basically say, okay, well, we want to offer you like a job and you can also help with the catering crew and those kinds of things. And, you know, here we'll, we'll pay you a salary and those kinds of things. So that's gotta be super gratifying right there. Right? Yeah. Everybody wants I'm hanging, it. I'm hanging out with everybody and I'm just doing my thing. Yeah. Everybody wants, you know, wants something that they can feel proud of. And I mean, I've, I had one. Uh, one, uh, lady came in at one point and just berated me about, you know, all these poor deers. How are you, how come you're making them work? They should be at home and people should be cooking for them and they shouldn't have to be, have to work. And I thought, you know what, that's a generational shift, I think at the best, Mm -hmm. but it also is a, it's a, there's a, there's a certain bias or prejudice there that she cannot see the abilities that these people offer and how much pride, you know, it gives uh, any of us mm-hmm. like to be involved in something like that, or to even just have a job that we feel that we can do good stuff with. For sure. At, at worst, just be independent, just be able to take care of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. If someone's in Boise Vein, where exactly are you guys located and how can they get a hold of the shop? How do they get a hold of you guys if they want to? Well, we're right at the, at the start of the business sector when you're driving down number 10 highway. So number 10 highway is also known as mill street. And we're at the, at the, at sort of the crossroads of mill street and South railway. Mm -hmm. Um, another sister agency of ours, um, visions of independence here in Winnipeg, um, also, uh, has started a a cafe in Southport, Mm -hmm. south of Portage of Prairie. And when they were talking about developing something like that, um, Jennifer Hagedorn, the executive director there and myself were sitting down one day and we, we, we just said like, she said, well, we want, we want some advice on how to get something like this going and said, well, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Like if you want, um, like we'll, we'll work with you. We'll sort of tell you what has worked for us and what hasn't. And that, that, that's the best part. That's the, that's the main reason to talk to you. Yeah. Like you said, why, why try to figure it out yourself when you're already doing it successfully, right? Yeah. And we, I mean, we've ha- certainly had our hiccups. We've certainly done things wrong, but, um, we've also learned from those mistakes. So, and plus they are also using the actual sawmill tea and coffee company name. So that name recognition now, I think also carries a bit of, uh, a bit of weight to it. So I'm glad that you know, other organizations like ours that want to, to, to imitate that we're not in this to make money. We're in this to provide opportunities for Manitobans with disabilities. And so if there's other organizations that want to, to borrow from us mm-hmm. or, or take that on, our franchise fee is really cheap. <laughs> it's called $0. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, if what, if people want to get a hold of you directly, mm-hmm. um, is that possible to learn more about your program and the things that, that uh, that um, you guys are about Prairie Partners Inc. Yeah, sure. We, I mean, we're our office. Our offices are in Boise, Maine. Um, we have a website, uh, PrairiePartners.ca, mm-hmm. and there's also a link on that website to our Facebook page. And the sawmill has its own Facebook page because it's it's being updated multiple times every day as far as what events are coming because we offer workshops, we mm-hmm. have concerts, uh, what's on the menu for the specials for the day. Um, we have, we have lots of people that just check the, the Facebook page every day just to see what the daily specials are. Cause if all of a sudden their favorite is coming up, it's like, oh, we're going for lunch today. So Perfect way, right? yeah, yeah. Jason, yeah. I appreciate you coming in, man. Hey, it's my pleasure.
That was Jason Dick from the Sawmill Tea and Coffee Company filling us all in on the great things they do. Join me next week when I talk to the owners of one of Winnipeg's longest standing eating establishments. You'll find out which one if you tune in next week. Enjoy your weekend. This is a main ingredient. I'm Kevin Bergen, and this is 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.